So I guess now, so after talking about the Van Halen stuff, so you're thinking ahead with the six degrees of Van Halen. So is that still going? Well, six degrees of Van Halen is about six degrees now because it's cooled <laughs> off. Um, initially, I had a lot of interest in it, and then my the ma- my manager went on tour, and then this other guy got busy, and so you know now I'm waiting for everybody's tour schedules to close because I can get I can just go get you know four or five other guys, three other. When it takes, we're going to use five guys. We're going to use a utility player, you know, for uh, keys, and then we did have Brett Tuggle. Uh, confirmed for that. Then he had a project coming in that he had to go to before we could get anything done. And Jamie Hunting, who was in, um, and some other people that I, I really shouldn't talk about, but I mean, there's about a half dozen guys that's on that list, or, or about a dozen guys that's on that list, been in Dave Solo bands or have played in, in Van Halen, with Van Halen or otherwise. Yep. So I just just started contacting them and done a little press on it, but then it got to the point where We've got to have a time where everybody, where the planets align. Because, like I said, I could go out and get you know three other guys, just go out and play it, but it's not going to have the kind of you know oomph that I wanted to if they didn't have some kind of association. I mean, that was what the six degrees were, you know, like six degrees of separation. Yeah. You know, and so that, that's what the whole thing was about. So no, I haven't given up on it or anything like that. I'm just waiting for everybody to get their their schedules clear and the people we're talking to and things of that nature. And then the the venues, you know, some of them are booking up in the future a lot now, but then they add, you know, I think what I want to do is a few club dates then take maybe add on to festivals and then go into the performing arts centers after that. But so that's our plan anyway. Yeah. And there's a few guys I haven't talked to that I really want that, um, have you, you know who Corey Taylor is? Corey Taylor, I know that name. Who's he from? Uh, uh, Slipknot. Okay, yeah. Stone Sour. I mean, that, that guy, he's busy too. I mean, he's got all kinds of different bands, you know, and you know, my old singer Ralph's too busy with you know Steel Panther, yeah. and you know Steel Panther. I think they just toured here like not long ago. Yeah, actually, they come down. They come to Australia quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. Uh, I sat in with them a couple of times last year, and I still talk to Ralph all the time. He's a good friend. Yeah. But anyway, um, you know, but Corey Taylor, I mean, he he can sing the sheesh out of it. That stuff, man, he's really great. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know him. I'll, I'll find a way to get in touch with him. But he's you know he's super busy and. I, I knew this going into it, it was going to take more than, than uh, it was going to be kind of difficult. That's why I'm trying to do three or four people in each chair, in each seat of the bank, position of the van, yeah. so that one guy can't do it and another one come in, you know. I'll get back on that horse pretty soon, but in the meantime, I've just been uh, doing these other things I'll talk about in a minute, you know. Yeah. I'm going to play some of my favorite Van Halen songs, and these are not yeah. all um, that maybe are the most popular ones or anything like that, but... No, uh, Yeah, solo's whack. He, he and he punched a lot of stuff, and I, I kind of blew the end of it. I do know it right though. <laughs> but uh, anyway, he, you know, he punched a lot of stuff on, on Fair Warning. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's see. What, let's do one more here, and we we'll talk some more. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't have the intro sound for this, and I hadn't played this in a long time. But I, you know.
so what I'm doing here is I have a Kemper. You know what a Kemper is? Yep. Kemper Profiler. For, for those of you out there in, in Down Under or wherever, I guess this is all over the world since it's, you know, yeah. the Internet. Uh, a Kemper is what's called a Profiler, which is basically uh, a 700K, you know, sampler. That's the sampling rate. Like Pro Tools rigs, or, or you know, most rigs only will go up to 192 hertz. Mm. This goes up to 700 and it takes a, a, it shoots white noise and pink noise through the, the amp head and the whole signal chain, the speaker, the, the speaker cabinet gets profiled, the mic gets profiled, the mic pre gets profiled, everything in the whole signal chain is, is it's not a modeler per se. It, I mean, in a way it is because it's not the actual amp, but like samplers, you know, would actually, you know, back, they still have them, people don't use them as much now, but, uh, or, or digital sampling in general, you're, you're taking, you know, um, audio and converting it into uh, zeros and ones. And, you know, sometimes that's, can go bad and sometimes it can go very good. The difference between a profiler and a modeler is the modeler that is it's a digital algorithm that somebody writes that they think this is the way that this amp sounds. Yeah. The profiler actually grabs the amp and becomes the amp. Mm. You know, I'm not working for Kemper or anything like that, yeah. but I mean if I like something I'll sing my praises. The way I came across this this device was I was in um, I worked for Gibson Guitar for 12 years as a clinician right after I uh, left Dave's band. I was also in R&D there, too, because I was, what, you know, I was a tech guy in a guitar company, which guitar players are not that techy a lot of times because, you know, they find a piece of gear and a guitar they like, and they, they grab onto it. And I think it has something to do with the difficulty of the instrument in and of itself, you know. You mm-hmm. get on things. You don't want them too complicated. So these guys that have these huge pedal boards, I don't, I, you know, first of all, I mean, I, I never did that. I mean, I had some pedals, yeah, of course, yeah. but I mean, this guy's got like, you know, 40 pedals on It's like, good yeah. God. I mean, really live, you need what? Three, four, five sounds max, you know? Yeah. And so that's what I do with the Kemper. And, or generally, a lot of times I'll just use one, one sound, of course, you know. And my, my rig in Dave's band was, it was loud because I had, a, I was driving four cabinets on both sides of the stage with an 800 watt H&H power amp, you know, that took a feed off one of the heads, but. I just used a phaser and a flanger, and I had, you know, a wall loop, a wall in the loop, and that was it. Yeah. Um, and that's what I did with Tom and Punks. It was just, you know, I phaser and a flanger, and I plugged straight into a 5150, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm more of one of those just plug it straight into the amp kind of kind of guys. You know? Yeah. The attack, and that's the other thing about the, the Kemper is that, you know, the pick attack is, there's almost no latency with it. So it takes a snapshot of the head, and it, you can actually tweak it a little more than your head, actually. And it's got, you know, really great effects in it. And um, I sold all my amps, all my Marshalls, all my cabinets, all my 5150s, everything. I profiled them first, of course. <laughs> you know? But they're all in the Kemper now. This sounds kind of a brown sound, you know. It's kind of a Van Halen kind of sound, you know. It, of, it comes out of the Kemper, uh, and I go spit it out, digital out into an Apollo 8P. And then that's going into the Mac. And, you know, I've got you know high-powered Mac. Then I use Logic for you know the back for my tracks and stuff like that because I'm a producer and an audio engineer too. So yeah. I got this thing and nobody saw me for weeks or months after that because I was play- I started learning like I learned the whole first Boston record and I was just, it re-inspired me. I mean it was yeah. like I mean because you got all these tones just right at your disposal, you know. So I'm working for a company now. I'm kind of a brand ambassador for them. Uh, they endorse me. 
It's called Zytone Cabs. This is like a studio snap. The camera's a studio snapshot of, of your amp. Guitar players are used to hearing their, their, their cabinets, you know, hitting them in the, the butt. Most guys don't play tops. The sound they're getting is more of the room than it is anything else. I mean, it's just bouncing off whatever room you're in is different and bouncing off the walls and stuff like that. And every stage sounds different. So you've never really heard your amp until you go in a studio and you put a mic on the yeah. speak, you know, truly. Yeah, I mean, the first time I, I heard that, and he, the guy was playing it back there, he was, I go, that's my cabinet? He goes, yeah, that's what you, Rick sounds like. I went, it was shocking because, you, I mean, yeah, but then they put, you know, all the other stuff on it, the EQ and the, the reverb and effects and, you know, things of that nature. And, you know, and you throw it up in a mix and then, you know, it's different. But to hear, to hear your, your cabinet the first time with a mic on it and it's just, you know, bare like that, it's, it's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I suck, I can't play. Or if you pull any solos out of all your favorite heroes and stuff like that, I don't know if you, you listen to some tracks, you know, they have out there that got out, you know. Yeah. They're, you know by themselves, they sound horrible. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, it's all noise. When you put stuff in a mix, it's how it sits in a mix. And anyway, so the Kemper, you know, gives you the studio recreation of what your amp sounds like. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, that's how, that's how it profiles with a, you know, whatever mic you want to put on it. I mean, I use 57s, Royer 121s, you know, yeah. uh, RE20s. You know, the mic makes a big deal. The cabinet makes a different deal. And then you can swap your cabinets out, too, if you, if you want to, not yeah. to use the one you profile it with. But the problem is live, you're doing this and you're, you're creating your, your, your models or you're tweaking your, your profiles, rather, models, yeah. tweaking your profiles on studio monitors, which are, you know, 20 to 20 or, you know, you know 30 to 16 you know, hertz, uh, uh, thousand hertz. You know, they have, they're full range. And because a guitar cabinet, you know, I'm going to get a little technical for a second. Okay. The threshold of human hearing is 20 hertz, about 20,000 hertz. Theoretically, no one really, ha unless you got perfect ears, you know, you know, no one has that. Usually, cats our age were probably like thirty to sixteen, or maybe you know. So, but a guitar cabinet goes uh, off a cliff at five k, five thousand hertz. It takes a nosedive, and not, you're not getting anything out of that, out of your gear at after five k. Although, when you go in the studio, you got reverbs and things like that, where you know they're bouncing off the walls, and then. Which accentuates the you know the harmonics, and so stuff you know will go up all the way to you know sixteen or at least ten. You've got more, more stuff in it, and then the mic also adds, you know, some some depth and in, in frequency response to the whole thing, and the EQ, you know, what or mic preacher you're coming in. So, mm. if you just use use a guitar cabinet live, first of all, you're already profiled one cab, and if you put it into another cab, it's gonna sound like horse crap, yeah. right? <laughs> And so, and, and chances are that guitar cab has a you know regular speaker in it. And it's you know it's nose diving at five k. We got a lot of guitar players that watch this show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Okay, okay. Because right, if I'm trying to tell this to the, the old ladies or chicks, they're not going to do it. You know, and it, it's a little heady for some people. Using the Kemper Live, what's beautiful about it is that you can you can take the the main outs and go straight in front of house, and that's what you'll get, what you've heard and created in, in your your studio mm. or on your record or whatever. If you use the Kemper on the record, use it live, same thing. Yeah. And it goes front of the house, you sound just like the album. And plus, front of the house engineers love you because they don't have to mic anything. Mm. Well, but you have to hear it. So if you don't, if you're not using in-ears or you got, you know, great, I can't use in-ears. I just, I can't because I, it's just, I got to feel it a little bit or hear it or, you know, feedback shots and stuff like that. You can't really get it with them. Yeah. I, I'm mostly wireless because I hate things dangling on me, you know, or, 
or cords in, in general or any kind of stuff like that, you know, yeah. snag and get caught on things like that. So I don't like them. It was a problem when they first came out because no one had really built cabinets or speaker systems for what's called an FRFR, which is full range flat response. Because you want a flat response monitor in your studio. And you want a flat response monitor on stage for the Kemper or a Fractal or a Helix or a Tomic, you know, yeah. whatever. But the only way to get that, if you're using a regular guitar cab, is to cut the cab off that you profiled or cut the cab off in general in your model or profiler and, and use it like that. Well, then all your profiles, if you change them, I mean, your amp head, they're going to sound the same because you're coming through the same cabinet. But maybe you didn't do them like that. Mm. So guys started attacking this a little bit. And, you know, I played through some PA. I was trying to find something to play through. PA speakers, yeah, PA speakers are... are you know, all PA speakers and monitors, they all have a certain signature. You, I mean, you can't get away from them. Or they're made for, tailored, they may say flat response. Mm. Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, but they're, they're, they're tailored, you know, in design of the cabinet or the horns or whatever. Like a PA speaker to recreate a, a plethora of instruments, you know, yeah. to, for, you know, it's not specific to one thing. So guys started coming out with some of these, you know, things that, would do that, and I, and I checked a couple of them out. And I wasn't happy with them. Well, a guy, you know, lived in my home state. I had contacted him about it, and then he, then he wanted to endorse me and, and let me you know, talk about it and, and stuff like that. And it's called Zytone X I T O N ZytoneCaps.com. And this thing is a uh, it's a one twelve in the back of me. I'm going to use two of them live because I mean it's loud. I mean, if you really want to make sure it's loud enough, you know, you play really loud rock gigs or anything like that. Um, I, that's why I use two of them. And the woofer is 600 watts, and it's, and the tweeters is concentric. The tweeters in the center of the cone, and it's 200 watts. And this is RMS; it's not peak rating, so it's mm. it's humping. You know, it'll kick up about 130, 140 dB. So I mean, and he has it also has a switch on the side of it, uh, on the back of it that you can, you know, bump the mids up by 500 hertz, and then you can cut the tweeter off if you want to. So it's, it's versatile as well. Mm. And so this has solved a lot of problems for me. And it's Bluetooth. If you want to play stuff through it Bluetooth-wise, oh, you can do that. Okay. Yeah, and you, and you can plug a mic directly into it, too, if you want to sing through it. I mean, it's not, hmm. not a problem. So, but it solves a lot of problems for me because, you know, I do these things, and, and people can check out my website or whatever, in Zytone's uh, site when I get them up. I have someone on my Facebook page, too, called Confessions of a Tone Junkie, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> where I'm going around and I'm trying to get tone. The only thing is you can fix you know, feed my tone Jones is a Zytone. You have to go to Zytone rehab eventually. And, uh, <laughs> because I mean, and truly, I mean, I am a tone junkie. I mean, that's why, you know, I started playing. That's what I live for. It's what's kept me going. It was to keep me, what keeps me involved in music. It's like, I, I go off the reservations a few times to start, you know, messing with other stuff. So always usually media arts related, you know, whether it's photography or videography or and stuff like that, but which I also do, but, Audio, I'm just always like a moth in a flame, you know. Yeah. It's what you know. You know, tone junkie's got to have it fixed, man. You can't just you know, <laughs> you know you just walk away from it. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm, I'm helping this guy out and doing some stuff for him, and you know, it, it, the Kimber's great. And so that's that's what I'm going th through right now. I think this profile that I'm, I did was a um, it was a plexi. Uh, it's a plexi profile that a friend of mine had. And I dimed it out, and you know, if it's a real plexi, that's the only thing to do. It's, uh, you know, they're too loud without a very act to play, you know, yeah. practically in, in any venue, but you just but you got to dime them out, you know, every single 10. Yeah. 
what they sound like. <laughs> How about the guitars you're using at the moment? Oh, let's talk about Woody. You yes. got wood? <laughs> you, know, you, you ain't got wood, you need to get wood. Play hard. And I want to tell a story about Woody. This, is, this guitar, not highly finished, it's mostly, you know, it's got linseed oil on it. Mm. I've opened up a guitar company called Woody Tone Guitars. Impetus for it was this. This guy right here. Now this one was my workhorse, the one that I played on all my Roth tours, one that I played on every, <laughs> every my albums, my club dates, everything in my whole career. Yeah. I got it in 1985 in a vintage shop in Hollywood when I went to GIT. Yeah. I've been tinkering around with building guitars and stuff like that, and I built one before I came out to LA, but the race on the neck wasn't right. It was kind of like a Fender baseball bat, old Fender, 10, you know, I think it was 10.5. Radius on 10.5. So I came across this one, and it was, I mean, you pick, you know how it is <clears throat> when you walk into a store, you see a guitar, but then you pick it up, and you can see another one. Oh, it's beautiful. And you pick that one up, right? And you're like, oh, and whatever your preference is, you know, yeah. you know, it's for everybody. But you, you know that it is going to be something to your liking. And um, so I went back and played this a few times before I bought it. <laughs> it had 59 Gibson PAF pickups in it. <laughs> and I went, they wanted more money for them. And I'm like, take those old damn pickups. I want those old pickups. I was a stupid kid. You know, it's just like, you know, they're worth about $5,000 a pair now. But I had to take the PAFs out of it. And they, and they were certified. I mean, they were real 50, 59 PAFs. They put EMGs in it. Mm. I did. And it's got a treble boost in it. So anyway, I play this guitar a lot. Because it, it sounded a certain way. It always, for some reason, you just plug it in and cut a flanger on it. It sounds like Van Halen. I don't know. Maybe that's me. I'm like, it, what What if something happens to it? What if it gets stolen? What if it breaks? What if it falls apart? What if, you know, what if it, what if it you know, doesn't like me anymore? <laughs> so, what if it wants to break up with me? And I started making clones of it. You know, and I tried this body and that body and this wood and that wood. Because this is a two-piece maple body. So, it's a little heavy. Then I tried nitro. I tried, you know, but poly, well, I mean, one, I, you know, had a polyurethane finish on it, which is the worst thing you can put on a guitar to finish it. But that's ninety-five percent of every guitar I've made now has a poly poly finish on it. Because mm. the thing with poly, it sits up, you know, hard as a rock. It dries real fast and it doesn't scratch, and, and it's real sturdy. But it's like putting a condom on a guitar. And mm. we know what we feel about condoms, don't we, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and so I mean, it just chokes the tone out of it because your your body resonance, the whole instrument itself, it, everything is it, it all matters. You know what I'm saying? It all matters because I mean, this is a microphone, and this is actually kind of like a speaker around the microphone because it's you know absorbing the string energy and kind of feeding it back into the pickup. I mean, it's all part and parcel of it. So um, th that one was out. Then I I'm like, well, maybe what I need to do is start weighing the wood and, and you know matching the grain up. So that's what I kind of did with this one. So this, I mean, this one. This is uh, Woody Sr., or, or Old Man Woody, and this is Son of Woody. And this is not really a Woody, but this is a nitrate finish because you can see, you know, it's not much left of it, you know, <laughs> in certain areas. You know, I played it to death, you know, here and, and things like that. And nitro will get thinner over time. You always hear, um, and it's what Gibson uses, you know, that's one reason I respect Gibson so much. And nitro is hard to deal with, too. But anyway, so I picked out two pieces of wood, tried to ma I match the grain and the weight up to Old Man Woody. You know, I got my next custom cut by John Carruthers in L.A. on a contour lathe. So they 
the first one that I had on Old Man Woody, I played so much, like in this area, it got sco scooped out on the sides, you know, I was pulling ease off because I played it right, because you play here all the time, right? 90% mm -hmm. of the time, you're right, kind of right in here. Yeah. So I, I gave him that neck and he had, I said, put it back, you know, where there's wood, you know, make another one, but, you know, put the wood back to where, where it should be. And so that was like the third neck on that one. And then I cloned that neck and put it on here with a country wave. And it wasn't cheap. You know, what I did, and the, the frets were put in by hand and filed and all that kind of stuff. But then, the wood, like I said, the wood was matched up in grain, and the grains were matched uh, and weighed. I was getting ready to finish the guitar, and I didn't have a um, real plan for it. I hadn't really even played it that much. I mean, I think I put an EMG in it. Maybe, maybe we were on tour or something. I stuck it in my head a couple chords, and when I came back, I was going to finish it. Well, I ended up leaving Dave's band and moving and all this kind of stuff, and then I got a job with Gibson, and I couldn't play things that had headstocks like that. Mm. I hate floating tremolos more than anything. First of all, it, they're tone thieves. They still are your tone. You got a folk. You got two fulcrums here for the you know the, the Floyd. Yeah. You know, that's the only contact point you got in the body for it. You know if you don't rest it against the body, you know, and that, that that's what Ed never did. That I mean, he even put a quarter under there at one point. You know, when the wood was getting gone. <laughs> And then, you know, your, your bends, you're doing unison bends, and the thing pulls down, and you're like, eh, and one string is not in tune with the other anymore. Your vibrato's weird. You break a string, goes out of tune. Yeah. It's hot and cold, hot and cold. It's like a thermostat. So make up your mind, because I had one. I mean, I got one of the first boys that ever came out. I think I sold a PA to buy it. It was so expensive. I mean, I got to have it. You know, Ed's got one. Yeah. And so, but, man, I knew that, you know, I was touring with a Southeastern band. I was probably 19 years old. And changing strings on that thing took me an hour and a half, because, you know, you're, you're they're, you're doing this. Yeah, yeah. And then you go, you're in the dressing room and it's kind of cold back there. Then you go into, under the lights and it's like, mm. I'm like, F this, man. I'm not going to do this anymore. I mean, it's, it, it makes no sense. Um, and then I found out it sounded like a lot better, too. We just, so no floating tremolos on these, you know, any of my guitars. Ever, guys. Ever. You know, a lot of times, you know, you teach guitar, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. So you get a student that comes in with these, one of these new guitars, you know, like a, a Squire or whatever Fender, and the bridge is floated. It's just a little bit off the body, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're trying to teach him how to tune. And so he's trying, to, he's trying to tune his string, and the thing's moving, and if he breaks the string, God forbid, you know, the poor kid is like, yeah, F this, I'll never do it. So when my students came in with floating bridges, even on a Squire Strat or something like that, I go first, I said, number one, what I want you to do. When we get out of your first lessons, I want you to take that to the guy up front or to a repair person, and I want you to have him pull that and flush him out that bridge back down because I need to teach you out of tune. Because, I, mean, I mean, it's maddening. You know, it truly is. So the angle of this, this drop D is too, is too far down. So I can, you know, freely go about my drop d with, uh, you know, that recess cut out of it. Yeah, that's so, really good. So, then the story, so the story goes on is this. So I stuck the thing in the road case. I moved, got a job for Gibson, forgot about it. For two decades, over 20 years. I didn't play it. Didn't pull it out. I mean, I had a lot of guitars. After the divorce, <laughs> I had to move my studio again. I started opening up stuff and finding stuff. I pulled this out. I'm like, man, this guitar, I remember you. And I looked at the EMG, and I, you know, I've been playing passes for a while, and I wasn't so crazy. I wasn't in my EMG phase anymore. Although I love them, if you're going to play the old school shit, you know, it sounds more, it sounds better if you got you know passes. So I took it, had a, a JB put in it, a, a Duncan, 
It sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds amazing. So then I got the idea. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? I mean, I've trademarked the name, and I've got the URL and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just now getting off, off the ground by a couple orders already. And, you know, to make, make these things for people because people see it and hear it, and they're like, I want that, you yeah. know, which is, which is a good sign. Plus, all my marketing is I'm using hot chicks with little cut-off T-shirts that say got wood on them. Yeah. And um, <laughs> my, I have a sales force. Yeah, they're going to be strippers. I mean, that's who's going to sell my guitars for me. I think it'll work. I mean, guys, you know, muscle cars, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, guitars and nice-looking women, nice looking women, right? Yeah. And, of course, the whole thing with got wood, get wood, play hard. I mean, it's, you know, you never forget your first woody either, that's I'm right. just saying. <laughs> yeah. And I always want to be sporting my woody. <laughs> you know and, and it's one of the things like you know with with, with van halen you know these guitars they swim bicycle paint on them that's what he finished them with i remember i read something one time or maybe he told me i don't remember what it was but you know he's like his guitars were you know if it rained in la or the humidity got up a little bit which it, it didn't but they had lived there most of the time or any other part of the world his you know his stuff was shrinking in Expand. So that's why I'm doing the roll offs on the end of the frets by hand because you know that will happen. You know, you pick up a you know a neck and have the sharp edges on the, yeah. the you know the frets because the neck is shrunk. You know, from hum lack of humidity or you know dry climate or whatever, being you know AC or something. Yeah. But it's going to be lightly finished with linseed oil or, or the equivalent of. I mean, you you can kill a guitar's character by the wrong finish. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I guess that's another selling point too. Your your woody never shrinks. <laughs> See, man, you can riff on this stuff all day long. And come up have you had your wood shrink before? Well, I have a solution for that guy because ladies don't like shrinking wood. So, and neither do you. So, have you ever cut yourself on your shrinking wood? <laughs> Those are Freddians. Those are horrible, aren't they? Well, I've got your solution: filed off, rolled off frets on the woody. So your woody will never be shrinking again. <laughs> it's going to be fun. I mean, it's a passion yeah. for me. You know? It's like, you know, I always like sharing stuff with people, you know, and, you know, yeah. whether it's, it's uh, my horrible guitar playing or, you know, my nice guitar. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds really good. And, you know, I'm in Ozzy Osbourne tribute band now, which is, it's more like Eddie Van Halen playing Randy Rose. Yeah, yeah. You know, a guy named Little Ozzy, who's kind of, he's kind of well known. Um, yeah. He's been on America's Got Talent with Sharon and on TV shows with Ozzy and stuff like that. So I do that, and then I, you know, I do sessions, and I got a studio that does business, and I'm working on a documentary for Les Paul, mm. uh, which everyone can you know see the trailer and stuff uh, when they go to my website, which we have posted, you know, yeah. all my stuff. And guys, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. I just started one, okay. and I'm, tr I'm trying to get subscribers for it. You know, I'm gonna have lessons, you know, interviews, all kinds of gear stuff up there. Uh, there's a few things up there already, and I, I never could have one at Gibson because it was a you know a conflict of interest. So I just now, I, you know, I, I left that gig only a few years ago. So I'm now getting back into the swing of things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'll get everyone to subscribe to that one for sure, including myself. Well, thank. <laughs> no problem. All right, well, thanks very much, Bart. Thank you, thank you very much. I know you got to get going and stuff like that. I'm probably holding you up because I can talk. Did you notice that I can talk? <laughs> I'm not, most of our players are not talkers, but I happen to be a talker. All right, buddy. <laughs> All right, thanks Take again. Care. All right, thank you. Keep I'll in touch. Talk to you real soon. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye.